Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Good morning, church. It is still morning, I think. Beautiful. Uh, so yes, uh, my name is Wally. It's actually a nickname for James Wallenfels. I know that last name has like half the alphabet in it. I was dubbed Wally on the high school swim team my freshman year. Found out my grandpa went by Wally. And uh, I had a friend that I waited tables with. Her name was Ingrid. She was from England. And she said, Wally means goof. And so it just kind of stuck with me. That was, that's my personality. Uh, I am kind of a big goofball at, at uh, various moments. So I might surprise you tonight. Uh, I do work with the Navigators. Navigators is an international discipleship ministry. My little piece of the pie is military, um, more specifically the Army. Uh, I've still got a few peeps left. I've got some other peeps left there in the back. They're waving. Uh, Usually we like to clog up the aisles, and they're probably the ones you're trying to get through to come into service because we come to the 09 majority of us. Uh, But they are up here with me just as much. Uh, I have learned much from Jesus uh, walking alongside them. So I just want to give them a shout out. Uh, Pastor Dave, about a couple months ago, he mentioned we're going to skip over Luke uh, 10, 38 through 42 and save it for tonight. And this message on on Mary and Martha has been something that's been near and dear to my heart the past couple of months. And so I just kind of fit. I prayed about it. God said, yes, uh, let's let's, uh, talk about it with Grace Bible. Uh, So thank you for honoring me with this opportunity to open up the scriptures with you guys. Uh, And we'll kind of begin and just dive right in. Uh, the Black Bible's in front of you. I believe it's page 816, so you can follow along there or in your own translation. I like having multiple translations uh, just to kind of get various uh, contexts of, of key words. But uh, before we actually open up and read the passage, uh, key questions I want you all to write down. And so as we're going through this passage, I'm not going to like um, say which one we're on. It's going to be kind of up to you to kind of be paying attention and uh, seeing where we're at. So the first question is, is what is, what is our everyday posture with Jesus? And the next question, what is my object of care? Third question is, is what is Jesus's remedy for a hurried and anxious filled life? And I know it's taboo. There's a number four there. It's kind of scary looking, uh, but it's more so application. Uh, it's what I've titled methods of fulfillment. And so with that said, let's go ahead and begin. Uh, I like um, my Israel tour guide. His name's Arye Bar-David. He talks about how Americans, we, we read things way too fast when we read the Bible. And so I'm going to read the scriptures here, but it's going to be a little bit more methodically. Um, and so yeah, so let us begin. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now as they were traveling along, he went and entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And that is the word of the Lord. Such a beautiful passage. Um, So we kind of have that backdrop, but I want to add on another backdrop. Uh, Lately, I've been going through a book actually titled Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus. And the author, uh, Lois Tverkberg, she brings uh, a Jewish context to what's going on here. And so I do want, if you'll excuse me, read just a quick excerpt from her book that kind of shines a little light on the Jewishness of what's going on here. 
And so she says, if you have ever been a first century Jew, you probably would have heard a saying, let your house be a meeting place for the rabbis and cover yourself in the dust of their feet and drink their words thirstily. That just sounds so beautiful. The Jews of Jesus' day greatly prized the study of the scriptures, and many of their most gifted teachers walked from town to town teaching from their Bible with no pay in return, asking no pay in return. People were expected to open their homes, providing food and shelter to these, what I like how she calls it, wandering teachers and their disciples. It was customary for the rabbis to sit on low pillows or chairs while they were teaching, and the disciples were uh, to sit on on the ground or around mats on mats around them, and so this this concept sitting at the feet of Rabbi of of our Jesus uh, is an interesting concept, and I've I've often wondered what would that look like in our American church culture today, and and I'm not trying to bash anybody or anything like that, but what I feel, what I hear more often than not, what it looks like is to have the, the most famous podcast, you know, all the mainstream speakers on my phone, ready to go. Or, or I have my, my Christian music playlist filled with the, the top, I love Mercy Me, and, and others. Uh, it, might that I've, it might be that I've gone through the Chosen series, you know, three times, or I have uh, season four pre-ordered. I think it's coming out in February, just as a heads up. Um, it could be that I come to Grace Bible Church every Sunday. Uh, it could be even that I have a master's in divinity and no Greek and Hebrew. Uh, you know, a scholastic relationship with Jesus. But I think as we look at Martha and Mary and Jesus himself, we will see a more simplified and direct way of what it looks like to sit at Jesus' feet as our rabbi. And so let's kind of kick it off with verse 38. And yeah, I forgot to mention the beautiful picture right there with Mary at, uh, at Jesus' feet. This, this picture can kind of be, can lead us astray. It's possible that the 12 disciples and some key women are with him. And so that just kind of adds some more context to the, the work that Martha is going through. But we don't know that for sure. But let's go ahead and ki- uh, kick off with Martha. So the way I'm going to go through this passage, we're going we're to kind of hit on Martha first. That sounds very awkward. We're, <laughs> we're going to talk about Martha first, and then we'll go into Mary, and then we'll uh, speak about Jesus. And so the first passage... Uh, verse 38 starts with, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And so I love going into the Greek. Words have meaning for me. And so we're going to look at a lot of the Greek uh, of some of these different words. And we're just going to observe. When you go through the scriptures, we just got to be able to observe. We got to be ask, uh, asking ourselves these questions. What does that word mean? What is this passage really saying? And so the first word that really jumped out to me is Martha welcoming Jesus into her home. We're going to be kind of roasting Martha. I feel bad for Martha. She gets roasted in this passage. Uh, But she's doing good here. She's starting off well, right? She is welcoming the Lord of the universe into her home. She's doing good. She might have some kind of gift of hospitality. It might be um, the cultural expectation. It might be that she just really intimately wants to serve the Lord. And so we just want to give props to, to Mary here real quick that uh, she starts off well, but then she kind of kind of goes downhill from there. It goes on to say that she, uh, she um, it starts off with traveling along, Martha welcomed her into her home. Verse 39, uh, she said to her sister, actually, uh, I've lost my place here. Uh, verse 40, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations, it says. 
And so I like those two keywords. I have them up on the slide here. Distracted and preparation. Distracted means to be drawn away from or, or to, be, uh, to be troubled greatly. And I like that. So Mary is essentially being drawn away from Jesus because of what? Because of her preparations. Again, the Greek, diakonia. Uh, I was surprised to see that the word means service or ministry. Uh, anybody ever waited tables before? Talks about waiting tables. I've waited tables in the past. It's a very painful business. There's a saying that getting caught in the weeds, you got to get the ketchup and the water and all these things, and your mind's just going crazy. And uh, it's no fun. And so we see Martha here is being drawn away by her service and her ministry. And I'm like, say what? Is that possible? Sounds like a good thing to do ministry, right? Is that possible? Does that happen to you, Pastor Dave? Being distracted, drawn away because your ministry? Maybe we should ask your, mom, your, your wife, right? Um, she probably has the, the truth on that. Uh, so we're, we're kind of getting what posture Martha has, right? She's distracted by all her preparations, her ministry. Your tr- translation might say service or tasks. Uh, another key way to look at this word in Acts 6, uh, 1 through 4, I think we have a slide on that. Uh, the ministry is growing. The disciples are reaching people. They're, they're feeding uh, a lot of the, the widows and others. They're serving the tables, meeting their needs. And then the apostles are like, well, hold up. We can't focus on that. We need to focus on uh, being ministers of the word. So they hire, or not hire, but they appoint people to serve the tables. And so that serving of the food, the serving of the tables, and the ministry of the word, that's the same word for preparations. Diakonia, service, ministry. And so just want to highlight that real quick. And so if we kind of put that together, Martha was distracted, drawn away by her ministry. I'm sure we can all relate. It's the holidays, right? I'm sure we have had to serve or minister to our families. And I bet you we've become distracted, we've become stressed, and we probably weren't very much like Jesus. Or we forgot the reason for the season. We forgot that, oh yeah, this is Christmas. Uh, I, I find that a lot of people are always nicer when I walk up to Walmart. You know, people actually say Merry Christmas and talk to you. Other days out throughout the year, it's, it's not the case. But So some people can remember it, but I'm sure during those painful moments when you're, you're cooking the, the duck or making something or wrestling with the kids, uh, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I forgot. Um, I, I think it happens, right? I myself am a servant-oriented guy. I love to serve. It's one of my spiritual gifts. But Satan loves to, to corrupt. He loves to twist it and make it, make it about me. Uh, I want those accolades. I want people. I learned uh, recently that, in essence, if I go to the, the main point of it, I want, I want people to worship me. And it's not good. You know, if they don't give me that good job or if they critique me, uh, you better watch out. I, I just... It really messes with my ego. Uh, Walt Hendrickson, he's an old, uh, old navigator. He says, uh, treat me or, or call me a servant and you actually pay me a compliment. But treat me like one and you pierce my ego. So two different sides of the coin there that I think is uh, well said. So I really have to work on that, being that dutiful servant that, that Jesus talks about, that unworthy servant. Uh, but uh, Martha is not doing so hot here. Uh, if we move on to verse 40... It says, 
Martha, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She came up to him and said, Lord, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Three things here that I observed that Martha is doing. In her stress, in her being drawn away, in her service, her ministry, she is questioning Jesus' care for her. She's saying, am I not your object of care? She blames her sister, throwing her on the bus. Anybody done that? I've done that. I think we can all, all relate. And she's demanding the Lord of the universe to obey her. Woo! Have you done that? I have. I have done that many times. When I am distracted, when I'm stressed, I have forgotten God's care for me. I have blamed others. I am an others blamer. And you can believe I have demanded God give me what is mine. And so I, I think we can all relate with this, right? Um, Larry Crabb, he is a, a Christian author uh, who wrote a book called Inside Out. And uh, in that, it's a, it's a hard book to read, but it's really good, life-changing. And basically the culmination of his book, he says there are two key sins that, we all, uh, that all our sins can be uh, umbrellaed up under. And that is the, the sin of self-protection when we're afraid, or the sin of demandingness when we try to get what we want, say what we want. And Martha is starting to, to lean in that direction in her spirit of demandingness. And so let's keep going. Verse 41. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. So I've got the Greek and Hebrew on this as well. Uh, For the word worried, that jumped out to me. It means to be anxious or to care for. A lot of us are familiar with the first uh, Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on the Lord because He cares for you. That word anxiety, other translations might say cast all your cares or cast all your worries. Cares, anxieties, worries, it's all the same word, marimnaho. And I want you to to remember that word uh, because we'll come up to uh, the prefix a little bit later. But down below, I I love the, the explanations of it. A part as opposed to the whole, drawn in opposite directions, or divided into parts. This magnet, I think, is a beautiful illustration of just being divided and being drawn away in opposing directions. And so Martha herself, because of her ministry, because of her service, was opposed in opposite directions. She was divided into parts. And then we got the next word, bothered. Uh, She was bothered. Uh, I believe other translations might say troubled. And so I had to look this up. What does bothered mean? And it gives so much more than, than what we just get with bothered. But there's an uproar, there's a confused noise, a riot, a disorder that, that's going on in her mind and her heart. I love the bottom line where it says, emotions spun up out of control. And, and all of those things well up in Martha and project into uh, questioning Jesus' care for her and uh, leads her into a spirit of demandingness. Jesus uh, rounds us up beautifully in Matthew thirteen twenty two. I believe they have, I have the slide up there. Uh, Parable of the Soil, where it talks about the thorns, uh, how they will choke the word. Uh, uh, the worry of the world will, will choke the word out. Right? And we see that happening perfectly with, with Martha. I've got another slide here, picture of thorns. Not much is going to grow there. I've lived in El Paso for 10 years. Uh, no grass. Uh, very little water, very little grows there. 
And so uh, if, we, if we put all this together for Martha, if we cap it, Martha's services, her ministry, her busyness of life, her spirit of demandingness were choking Jesus out of her life. There are easy sins out there, right? There's the pornography, the lying, stealing, cheating, all those things. Those are, those are the easy ones to spot. But this is a more subtle one. This is the busyness. Uh, a pastor once said, if, uh, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Ouch, right? <laughs> um, and we've got to figure out, is this a season of life or is this a lifestyle? And so there's hopefully some forgiveness, some grace when there's just a busy season. But you've got to ask... Uh, is this a lifestyle? And so the question is for us, church, is what ministry, what busyness, what lifestyle is choking Jesus out of my life? Okay, that's, that's way too convicting. Let's keep going, right? Let's, let's move on. Um, let's talk a little bit about Mary. Uh, this is a little bit lighter, lighter side of the passage. So Mary, if we go back to verse 39, it is. She said to her sister, uh, Mary was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. So the first thing that I noticed about Mary is that she is seated at Jesus' feet, uh, listening to his word. So what's the significance of sitting? I can imagine if I'm looking, if I'm comparing her with Martha, uh, Martha probably has her elbows propped up. I've learned recently the word is akimbo. This is to be akimboed. And probably has one other hand up, pointing his finger, her finger at Jesus, telling, hey, get my sister to help me out. But instead, we see Mary seated, seated at, sitting at Jesus' feet. As we heard from Lois in her book, this is a sign of submission. And we see that the posture is, is beautiful. It's intimate, even worshipful. And so... Gold star for Mary here. Uh, what is Mary doing? Listening, right? Listening to his word. The word listening in Hebrew is Shema. A lot of us may have heard that in the past. Uh, Shema has a, a deeper connotation than just hearing something. It also carries the connotation of obedience. Uh, I'm sure we can relate with our parents when our, our parents say, Didn't you hear me? <laughs> Basically meaning, you're going to obey me. Why didn't you obey me? And so obedience and hearing are synonymous in listening. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, Obey the Lord. Uh, And so what is she listening to? His very, very word. And there are so many words out there that speak to the wonderful tastes that is in the word of God. Psalm 119, 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, like honey on my lips. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them. We have um, Deuteronomy 8, 3, which uh, Jesus is quoting in Matthew 4, 4. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love this next picture. Oh, that's some good honey right there. I love that picture. I, I, I joke, I, this sounds very weird. I have a guy that's, <laughs> that's my honey supply uh, in San Antonio. Uh, it sounds so strange to say that on the stage. Uh, but one of my mentors uh, in the faith, he uh, has his own bees in his backyard. And uh, he would supply me jars of honey. And it's the best tasting honey I've ever had in my life. And so when I look at that, I'm just like, man, that's so good. 
And I think Mary figured that out with the words that were coming out of Jesus' mouth. Uh, And so then we move on to verse uh, 42. We get a little bit of extra insight on Mary's posture. Uh, But I'll read it in context with 41. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And so one of the key words that jumped out to me was good part. Your translation might say portion. I'm like, that sounds kind of strange. What, what is this good part? What is this portion? And so in the Greek, we have it as maris. And so this is where that word, the prefix, comes back up. That M-E-R, the mare. The maris means a part or a portion. And the word prior, the word for worried, uh, marimnoho, was worried in the sense of parts being pulled away, where this is just identifying the part. In our case, it is the good part, the best portion. I love uh, this past week, uh, go to the next slide, uh, cinnamon rolls, so good. So my family and I this past week, uh, my Aunt Carol and cousin are making cinnamon rolls. And I let them do all the labor, and I'm just waiting for the cinnamon rolls to be done, right? And uh, let them lay. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to just wait. But as I'm opening that, that oven, I'm waiting for them to be done. My eyes, my eyes are beelining to that middle cinnamon roll. Because you know that cinnamon roll is the best, at least in my preference, that's the best one. That's the gooeyest one. You know, it's this uh, cinnamon glazed, icing glazed, just cloud made of candy. So good. And, uh, you know, forget the edges. Just get, so I actually literally... <laughs> I felt kind of greedy. It's like, I hope they don't like the middle one. And so I just take the middle out of both dishes that we had. We had a regular cinnamon one or a regular glaze and, a, and an orange glaze. Um, and then I ate it and I was like, what happened to it? Um, but um, that's what Mary found with Jesus. You know, I believed that that cinnamon roll in the middle was the thing that was going to uh, satisfy me the most. And Mary found that out with Jesus. Jesus is that middle piece. I got me thinking about cinnamon rolls. Um, so we got to kind of recap Mary and Martha together here. Martha was distracted, right? Whereas Mary was attracted. I love those two uh, antonyms. Martha was distracted. She was divided, pulled in opposing directions, magnetically repelled from her Savior because of her preparations, her service, her ministry, the riot of emotion that was inside her, and her spirit of demandingness, control. Where Mary, uh, whereas Mary was attracted to, she was submitted to, magnetically drawn towards, made whole in that rest because of Jesus and his word. And so that kind of wraps up Martha and Mary for us. But we've got to look at Jesus here a little bit. Oh, yeah, keep that slide up. Um, I haven't had breakfast yet, y'all. So um, I'm ready for, for Rudy's after this. Anyway, so Jesus, verse 41, gives us some more insights on, on what's going on in this passage. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. That first thing that hit me was this Martha, Martha. Why does he say her name twice? What's the purpose of saying the name twice? Now, uh, y'all, anybody, I'm dating myself here. Remember Brady Bunch? Uh, so whenever I read this, I think of, uh, this is Jan Brady, 
and Marcia is her sister. And Marcia's kind of the, the pretty one and the older one. She always gets all the attention. And so uh, Janice just belts out with this, Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. And, and so I have to ask myself, is that what Jesus is doing with Martha? Martha, Martha, Martha. I, I don't think that's what's going on, right? There, there's something else going on. And I think Scripture can give us some insight into what uh, emotion is behind Jesus' um, reason for saying her name twice. I believe we have several passages uh, up here. Uh, Genesis 46 talks about, it says, And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. First uh, Sam 3, The Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, your servant hears. In Luke, uh, Simon, Simon, Jesus talking here, Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And then in Matthew 23, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have you have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And so we see that when these names are mentioned twice, it's one to get the attention of the person, but there's, there's an intimacy behind it. There's, there's a, I want to speak to you. God is trying to speak to our hearts. Uh, REA, uh, again, um, from Israel, talks about how God is one that wants to talk to you, which is very un, uh, an unfamiliar experience uh, for them. If we go to the next slide, we have a contrast of the God of the Old Testament was you know, brimstone and fire and thou, uh, uh, thunder and, and lightning and fire in the mountain. This is when Moses is up in the mountain and all the people are like hearing his voice and they're freaking out about it and like, we cannot hear God's voice anymore, at least we die. But then we have a picture of Jesus seated, seating and speaking to his people. If you go through the Gospels, you kind of notice a lot of times that Jesus is actually, I like to say he has a sitting ministry. He is more in a sitting posture when he speaks. Again, we like to be all up in a charge and, and uh, somehow this makes us bigger and we think it makes people actually listen. But really... Uh, Jesus is all about sitting and speaking to our hearts. We also see Jesus not condemning or critiquing uh, Martha. He's merely speaking to her. He's not comparing her to Mary and saying, why aren't you more like Mary? He's just stating the facts. This is where you are. This is, this is what you've chosen. This is what Mary has chosen. She's chosen the good part. If anything, he's actually protecting Mary, uh, keeping her from being pulled into the world that demands that we do and be busy, filled with anxiety and the pressures of the world. So Jesus is saying to Martha, you are distracted by making this dinner for us, this expectation of the culture, but, but I'm the meal. I'm the ticket. I'm here to serve you. Eat and drink of me. Jesus is saying, am I not your object of care? Foot stomp, right? Am I not your object of care? And the word for that um, object of care is mellow. Again, we kind of get it close to the, uh, another word, but mellow is, um, yeah, it just means object of care. I, I like that word as well. And I think Jesus 
kind of brings this together for us. I'm going to try to sandwich two passages together that I think uh, really uh, mesh as well with what we're trying to go after. Uh, it's a, va- a very f- famous passage, Matthew 11, 20 through 30. A lot of us are familiar with it. Um, uh, but we're going to try to kind of lay it over our Luke passage here in a second. But I'll read uh, Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, I, I like this. And so what we see here in these two passages, Mary has come to Jesus as one who is weary and heavy laden. If we remember, uh, they're under Roman rule, right? She took Jesus' yoke upon her. We see that symbolized in her submission, her sitting at his feet, being lower than him. And she's obediently listening and learning from him. That's that yoke that Jesus is calling to put on, uh, put on, asking us to put on. And then we see Jesus himself. Is he not gentle and lowly as well? Either being seated on a chair or uh, on pillows. Did Mary not find rest in her soul, in her soul being beautifully and intimately submitted at Jesus' feet? And did she not find rest with Jesus' yoke? Uh, did she not find uh, his yoke to be uh, and his burden to be light? And so I, I think she did. At least it looks a lot better than the yoke that, that Martha had on. That yoke of busyness and uh, demandingness. I, I choose Mary a thousand times. Of course, I say that up on a stage. Harder in real life, right? Um, but uh, let's keep going. So let's go to the questions. And so this brings us back to the questions, right? Um. I'm going to bring it up on my slide here as well. What is my everyday posture with Jesus? Is it intimately in a submissive posture, sitting at his feet? Am I delighting in his word, or is it being busy? We, we haven't talked about lazy, but lazy can also be a thing. Am I just lazy? Um, we'll get to the lazy side a little bit later. Next question, what is my object of care? Is it his instruction for my life, this life and the life to come? Um, do I have other competing objects of care? Right? I like to challenge uh, my guys in the back uh, to take the Bible wherever they go with them. Uh, again, Arie, he, he was a paratrooper in the Israeli wars uh, in the early 70s, and he talks about uh, I, I believe they were fighting the, the Egyptians, and, and some of them were, were Muslim believers, and so they were allowed to carry the Quran in their cargo pocket. Uh, but the Israeli soldiers, the paratroopers, were not allowed to have anything else but some type of weaponry, grenade, mags, what have you. And he had to fight, and he fought through his chain of command to request to allow to have the Bible in his right cargo pocket. Because he, uh, he was a, a Messianic Jew, uh, a Jewish believer of Christ. And so he fought and he won, and he got it to where he could keep the Bible in his cargo pocket. And then he talks about stories of, you know, reading Scripture while bullets are whizzing over his head. That, to me, is a man who has made God's Word, his relationship with Jesus, his object of care, something that I aspire to. Third question, what is Jesus' remedy for a hurried and anxious-filled life? It's simple. A submitted, focused devotion on him, learning from his word. 
even amidst the chaos. We live in a kingdom of noise, is what C.S. Lewis calls it. I, I was recently thinking about this. We have those headphones. Uh, what do they call them? Um, canceling, uh, noise-canceling headphones. Yeah, noise-canceling. That's what it is, noise-canceling headphones. We need, uh, uh, how would I call it, a noise, a world-canceling headphone. And I think we find it in Jesus. I think Mary figured it out and found it in our Savior. Now, I'll I'll level with you, gang. I understand uh, we have responsibilities, right? Uh, There's this commercial. I don't know if you all remember the uh, Dayquil commercial where the mom comes into her daughter's room, her three-year-old daughter's room, and says, sniffles, you know, she's sick. says, sorry, dear, I, I can't take care of you today. Mommy's sick. You know, we, 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 can't, we can't do that. We've got responsibilities. I can't tell my company commander, hey, sir, um, I'm going to go here and have my quiet time real quick, and, and afterwards we can deploy the troops. That don't work, right? So we have our responsibilities. And if we kind of even the playing field here with Martha and Mary, we're seeing Martha uh, at, her, at her worst, at, at her extreme. So her strength, and this is a good strength, she is a doer. Doers are good. I am a doer. What's the saying? A recovering alcoholic, recovering uh, performer, something like that. I am a doer, 110%. Um, But that is my strength. And my strength, to its extreme, becomes my weakness. I can be so focused on doing and and, uh, getting tasks done that I've got these blinders on. And I can't see what else is going on around me. I got some people laughing here. So are those some elbow nudges? That's from your pastor, y'all. Um, and so uh, our strength to its extreme becomes its weakness. And we really get to see that amplified in Martha's life. Now, Mary, Mary is a pretty healthy Mary. The, other, the extreme side to a Mary type, though, can be lazy. Um, I grew up Catholic. We call them pew sitters. Someone that just wants to sit in the pew and really do nothing about their walk with Christ. They might read the Bible a little bit. Uh, they might come to their local church every Sunday, but there's no application in their life. There's no life change, transformation. And so there can be a weakness uh, to the Marys that are out there. And so what do we do about this? So I believe it's the next slide. Uh, this is what I call, it's a fancy name, it took me hours to think of it, the Martha Mary Jesus Triangle. Um, on the left, we've got Martha, on the right, Mary. Martha, you can kind of give your own definitions of, of the extreme side an unhealth, of what an unhealthy Martha looks like. Controlled, demanding, maybe they're accomplished, successful, uh, they're, they're, they're worried, divided, self-focused, Marys are going to be lazy. Uh, They might be rested, um, but also still self-focused. And so these are the extreme sides of the two. And there's a spectrum, right? And so the question that I want us to ask ourselves is, where do I fall on this spectrum? Maybe not so extreme, maybe kind of in the middle. Maybe you fluctuate between the seasons of life and the demands. But just naturally figure out where it is you stand. And then the focus, the solution, is to set our eyes on Jesus. A lot of times we've seen this illustration in terms of relationships. Um, you know, if you put your focus on, on Jesus, then uh, you'll draw together closer with your wife. 
kind of the same uh, principle here, but it's with the strengths of each of the two. So now I, what I want to disclaimer, I don't want to make um, the Martha types out there expert Marys or the Mary types the expert Marthas. We're just trying to take a hold of where am I weak at? And Lord, can you help round me out a little bit? And so the Marys, is they're actually helping the Marthas. Uh, keeping them from going into their extreme tendencies. But the Marthas are also helping out the Marys in their extreme t- tendencies. Maybe the, the Mary is, is really lazy. The Martha is going to be able to come alongside and help out the Mary. And so where do I fall on this spectrum? Uh, and then what is the solution for each? So for the Martha types, actually I'm going to start with the Mary. For the Mary types, it's going to be sitting at Jesus' feet and getting into his word for themselves. A lot of times they rely on their local pastor to kind of spoon fiend them everything. But, but Pastor Dave and I, we're like, put us out of a job, please. Uh, get into the Word for yourself. Figure this Jesus guy out for yourself. Read it, study it, sit at his feet. And then the big key faith factor for the Marys is application. Actually, going in here, Lord, what is it that you want me to do, change? How do you want to transform me? Because there's, there's a hard aspect of, yes, God is in control, it's sovereignty, but there's also that free will. There's that weird dance, that weird tension that we have a part to play in the work that God is doing in and through us. And so that's for the Mary types, for the Martha types. It's redirecting those energies to just sitting at his feet, realizing the world's not going to fall apart. Well, it's just going to remain broken. The world's pretty broken, right? But it's, it's going to be there tomorrow. Right now, I need you to sit at my feet and listen to my word. Be beautifully and intimately submitted to me, your object of care. And so, uh, with that said, what's the next slide, Chris? So there's the word hand. This is kind of, we probably don't have too much time for this. I'll, I'll kind of touch upon a little bit. The, the palm is actually missing the, the word application. I gave him an outdated slide. Uh, but essentially, the word hand is a key way to getting a good grip on God's word. I understand where this whole message is about sitting at Jesus' feet, but I didn't want to see a picture of a foot up there. I thought that would be kind of strange. The, the, the word foot did not sound as catchy as, as the word hand. And I can't grab things with my foot the last time I checked. Uh, anyways, so there's hearing God's word, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating it, and then um, the palm is application. And when you have that gang, so if I'm trying to balance the word of God on just hearing, just coming to church every Sunday, Satan's going to be able to knock that thing right out. Even if I got the fingertips, I'm reading a little bit, studying a little bit, memorizing, he's going to pull that right out. But if I got this Kung Fu grip, this is Martha and Mary working together, right? Application and everything else. You know, Kung Fu grip, you ain't going to be able to take this out of my hand. And then, you know, uh, the sequel to this is the prayer hand. There's a prayer hand out there as well. Illustration, put those together. And you're going to be one bad samurai for God's kingdom. Um, But, uh, and so, that is that. One more slide, Chris. Um, These are just some different methods, right? So, the Navigators is known on the top left for the TMS, Topical Memory System, it's a, it's a good way to practice getting into the, uh, memorizing the Word. There's an app called Remember Me that I use that works really well with uh, memorizing Scripture. Uh, the blue little screen, I thought it would show up a little bit bigger, but that's Grace Bible's page on media where you can get uh, podcasts. And so I, I bash podcasts, 
podcasts are good, right? They're just not meant to replace the Word itself. They're not meant to replace that being seated at Jesus' feet. Uh, I love Tim Keller podcasts and others. That little cornerstone thing right there uh, is an illustration that teaches you how to get into the Word on a daily basis, uh, reading three chapters of Old Testament, one of the Gospels, and one of the Epistles. Uh, Grace Bible has their reading plan as well. Uh, that is a wonderful tool. And we want to highlight that these are just tools. These are just methods. There is no Bible verse that says that I am to have a quiet time. The goal is Colossians 3.16, where it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So that's what I'm going after. I'm wanting his word to dwell in me richly. And so that back to that hand illustration, the hearing it, reading it, studying, memorizing, all those things is my goal, my method of allowing God's word to dwell in me richly. We don't want to get caught in what is called methodolatry, right? Where this method, I've got to do it this way. I've got to do it the Grace Bible Church way. I've got to do it the Navigator way. Uh, no, that, that's called legalism, right? Uh, and so we want to go after the heart of what we're doing, the why, right? Uh, and so on the right here, we have uh, people. I had on there the uh, triads that Grace Bible talks about. Finding a group of three or five, I would even say just try to find one. Try to find one person that you can walk alongside with and say, hey, let's try to do this together. In the American culture, Christian culture, we are very individualistic. We want to do our faith by ourselves, But that's not how it was meant in the Christian Jewish culture. It was walk alongside somebody. Find somebody. Just as Mary and Martha, they're, they're coming together, right? As they are following Jesus. That was kind of the, the point of the illustration. As they're focused on Jesus and going after Jesus, they become kind of more like each other. They help each other out. And so that's kind of the context when uh, the idea is you find someone that you can walk alongside with, figure this Jesus guy out, being beautifully and intimately submitted at his feet. And so that's Mary and Martha's um, and Jesus' guidance for us. Uh, Let me pray real quick, and uh, I'll pass it off to Pastor Dave. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity Uh, to share your word. Thank you for being up here with me. Thank you for being up here with the church, with the congregation, Grace Bible. Uh, I pray that you would be with them uh, the rest of this year and the year to come, Lord. Uh, Would you stir their hearts, help them to be curious, and uh, to figure out you. Uh, Help us to have an emotional relationship with the word of God. Uh, We thank you. We love you. Amen.